Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be going over Matt Nagy not feeling pressure from the Chicago Bears ownership as to his job security. Following that, we're going to get into whether or not Chuck Pagano should be fired if Matt Nagy is fired, and then discussing some Sam Darnold trade rumors that have been floating around recently. Finally, we're going to close off the show with our Bears versus Texans pregame show, talk a little bit about the game and the implication it could have on the Chicago Bears' future and draft stock. Thank you guys so much for joining the Bear Necessities podcast. Once again, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already, and just enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and today I'm with Reese. We're going to get this done. Reese. <laughs> there, there we go. We're, we'll, uh, we're working on it still. I mean, God, it's I think we're probably going to need another 50 episodes till we get that right. But someday, someday. someday. Um, but today, guys, we're, we're back at it. We're ready to uh have our daily therapy session for, or I should say weekly therapy session for Bears fans where we get to talk about all of our issues and uh, try to think about potential solutions. So, uh, man, Reese, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, a little tired, but uh, I have to say the energy's up there. I'm excited for the for the podcast, of course. I know sometimes with when we record at night, we tend to feel like a little more groggy, but I feel pretty mm. awake, pretty, pretty happy, but you know, not happy about the state of the Bears. It's uh, It's been a lot of turmoil. I mean, none of the real press that you've seen coming out, especially from Chicago sports media, has really been positive, and nor should it be. I mean, they're flaming this Bears team because they're extremely dysfunctional, and, you know, the Bears organization hasn't responded yet. And I just get the fact that, you know, the media is going to be on them until the day that Nagy is walking out those doors no longer a member of the organization. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think what we've even seen this week is a lot of former players are speaking out. I know Matt Forte, he said something about Lovey Smith, you know, being fired after what was it, like a 10 and 6 season or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it necessarily would have been the best idea to keep him, but uh, he has some points. I mean, record isn't everything. A lot of it has to do with a deeper evaluation of your roster and right now Matt Nagy over the past two years he, he really doesn't have either of those two aspects on his side right now you know he had the uh, 2018 season uh, making him look a, lo- a lot better than he really has been as a coach but now after two seasons of disappointment and continuously the same issues I think that uh, fans are feeling like this a little bit overdue uh, that being said Let's go ahead and get into our first topic. I mean, Matt Nagy, uh, he came out in a press conference saying that he hasn't felt pressure from ownership uh, as far as his job security. Now, again, we kind of talked something a little bit similar about this, but now it's kind of became a trend. Uh, Matt Nagy seems to be kind of comfortable on his, you know, what appears to fans flaming hot seat as a head coach. is is it just do the Bears organization are they just trying to like let let things sizzle out for the rest of the season trying not to apply pressure to him during the season or are they actually displaying confidence in him as a head coach do you think this is just smoke or do you think this is reality I think I, I want to think that it's smoke I mean just knowing the Bears organization where I, I think their record is is they've never fired a coach midway through the season or partially through the mm-hmm. season. So really what I want to think is that it's just a continuation of that trend. Um, it is interesting, though, because, right, like the pressure, the that hot seat has been only getting hotter. I mean, it's got to be sizzling. You know, it's like someone's walking to you at Chili's with that big, like, fajita thing that's, you know, <laughs> puffing up smoke and all that. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Dan Hampton said that, you know, his blood pressure should be rising. You know, it's remarkable how mm-hmm. cool and calm he is during all of this and, you know, maybe it is some kind of vote of confidence from the organization because I think that, you know, anyone would be kind of showing, you know, some kind of sign of, of pressure, especially with how poorly it's gone, you know, this season. But, man, I mean, you know, it just really seems hard to believe that he is not going to be fired. I mean, just with how bad it's gotten, with how bad last season was, I feel like it only compounds the frustrations that people had. I mean, the Bears fans were already upset with Nagy at the end of last season and, and, you know, through duration of, you know, all the struggles and the team not performing up to where it's supposed to be. And and this year, I mean, as fans, we've been treated to an inept offense and that's supposed to be what his specialty is. So 
hard to see him. That's his MO. Exactly. It's hard to see him, you know, sticking around, but you know, maybe he's just a great actor and he's, you know, trying to put on a brave face for his team, which is commendable, but yeah, it's, it's odd. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm being completely honest, I really don't think that there is all that much benefit to firing a coach mid season. And even though I don't think it'd be a terrible idea with Matt Nagy, it's not necessarily the best move for the organization. It's more or less to send a message, right? It's more or less to say that this is done. This is over with. We're moving forward. But again, really doesn't, I mean, most of the time the team gets substantially worse after the head coach is fired just because you can't, I mean, the turnaround during mid season, it's just, it's, it's different. It's complicated, but at the same time, a lot of cultural benefits showing players that enough is enough. Um, and with Matt Nagy, I think that while he is definitely not the answer, I don't know if a mid season firing is also validated while I don't, I do not want him to be the head coach next year. Um, I don't, I'm torn as to firing him mid season or not. I would like him to be fired. I think that is the clear answer, especially with some of the head coaching candidates, uh, that are coming up, namely, uh, something like, uh, geez, what's the, who, who's the coordinator for the, um, the Panthers, Joe, Joe, Joe Brady, Joe Brady. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know crazy okay um they yeah so guys like joe brady being fired uh or coming up i think it's it makes, nighttime uh, everybody. jesus i cannot speak <laughs> yes it, it's it's nighttime i've had a few no i'm just kidding um no so so joe brady uh potentially being you know a head coaching candidate i think he's a lot more intriguing of an option especially with what he's done with that carolina panthers offense we bring it up all the time that offense has less talent than the chicago bears offense and they are doing substantially better i mean mike davis look how night i mean if you need to look at one player just look at mike davis he did nothing with us and then he goes to the panthers and he looked like a stud for a couple weeks you know it, it, it all has to do with if you put players into the position to succeed. And I don't think Matt Nagy does that too well. I think he needs specific, too specific of requirements to put together a successful offense. And that's why I don't like. And another thing with Joe Brady that I really appreciate, he's doing it all on his own. I mean, th that offense is his offense. Uh, it's, it's his through and through. And I think having... You know, someone like a Joe Brady come here, I think that would be a lot of excitement, like a Sean McVay level of excitement, maybe a Matt Nagy level of excitement back when that happened. But, you know, obviously, I think that Ryan Pace, if he's still the GM or at least the Chicago Bears organization, I think they're going to be a little more cautious of the coaching tree that they choose from. Yeah, and they have to be in. You know, you bring up a good point about the whole midseason firing and you, maybe the Bears organization are just the masters of tank because, you know, right now, I mean, Matt mm -hmm. Nagy is losing games and there's nothing better for them to be doing right now. So honestly, you're looking at it from that perspective. I mean, if you can keep this losing streak going all the way to the end of the season, it's going to be the best thing possible for the Bears. So we should we that's what we should want. You know, we this season, even though I know we're still one game out of the wild card. Making that wild card spot is going to be way more destructive for this franchise's future because we're going to get our ass kicked if we get into that wild card, probably by the Packers because that's who it's looking like the, the second overall seed is going to be. So unless you want to see us get our ass kicked by the Packers again, uh, this time in the playoffs and also play ourselves out of any good quarterbacks, then I, I think that the best decision is for us to just tank. And I know it's disappointing to think that we might not see another Bears win this season. And, you know, time is limited. You know, it, it sucks. But at the same time, we need better. And winning one game or two games isn't enough satisfaction for the potential downfall that could occur because of that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think we made the comment a couple of weeks ago that like, oh, you know, imagine if the Bears were in the NFC East. I mean, right now with the way that the Washington <laughs> football team is playing and the Giants are, I mean, I don't think they would beat either of them. I think if they play the Giants at this point later in the season, it would be a loss for them. Just the, most Ugh. teams in the league are playing better than the Bears right now. And I mean, that shows. I mean, they lost to the Lions, a team that, you know, it was the first game for their interim head coach and, you know, great for them. But, 
you know, it's not a good look. So, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing to be won here in this season other than a, a great draft pick, and they have to lose to get that. And, yeah, I mean, we really hope that the Bears go out there and get, you know, someone's going to bring a level of excitement similar to Matt Nagy when he came in. Seems funny to say that, but... Yeah, I mean, they need someone that's going to be innovative and adaptable. I think that's a huge part of what, you know, Matt Nagy isn't that, you know, the next head coach needs to be. I mean, so often is this team getting smoked right out at halftime because Matt Nagy's just getting mm-hmm. outcoached. He's not adjusting to what the other team's doing, and the other teams are adjusting to what the Bears are doing. Hence why I've seen such terrible third quarters from this team. It's a game plan issue because it doesn't seem like Matt Nagy ever comes out with you know, distinctly different game plans. It looks pretty much like the game plan ends after maybe the first drive or two. And then you can see that he can't obviously make adjustments either. I mean, we are insane. I think we still only have seven points in the third quarter all year. year. I mean, that that is insane. And that is so indicting on Matt Nagy. The, when you open up the second quarter, I think in 2018, that was our highest scoring quarter. You, you're supposed to come out and just be a completely different team as if the game is a new and, and, and just, you know, play well. But that's not what the Bears do. Getting back to that Lions loss, not only did they lose to the Lions, they clearly outplayed the Lions the entire game. And if not for a very few critical self, you know, destructive plays... They would have won the game. They could have actually almost won the game handedly. But because the coaching staff of the Chicago Bears makes the wrong decision so frequently, they put themselves in position to lose games. And that's exactly what happened. Fourth and one, and it's a simple run down the middle. I mean, come on. Why like why do you why do you do that? You know, that, that is asinine. That is the so stupid. And then we can count on, you know, actually we, pro- we couldn't even count on two hands the amount of times that the Chicago Bears have ran on second and long, which is one of the worst statistical plays in football. After that, just they Matt Nagy does not put this team into a position to succeed is I I guess what I'm ultimately trying to get at. It, it's it's never seemed like Matt Nagy has ever put this team into a position where you're like, because of our head coach, we are better. You know, you look at guys like, you know, Andy Reid, and you could clearly see where his schematical advantage and his game plan advantage is helping Patrick Mahomes become a better quarterback and someone who maybe without him might not even be the MVP of the league. You can see where he uses Mahomes in the way that makes him the best possible player. Oftentimes, it seems like it's the exact opposite with Matt Nagy. And it seems like Matt Nagy tries to fit a square peg into a round hole 20, you know, 20 times out of 20 throughout an entire game. He tries to make these players, which will never be perfect because players are never perfect. Even Khalil Mack, he's not a perfect player. Aaron Donald, not a perfect player. Patrick Mahomes, not a perfect player. He tries to take these players and use them in the exact mold that he sees fit. And that's his biggest issue is he needs to learn how to adapt. He needs to learn how to game plan. While he might have some play creativity, he clearly lost his ability to play call for the Chicago Bears. And the guy who's helped, unfortunately, the guy who's replaced him has looked way better. And he's an awful OC. Laser is not a good OC. He's never had over a 20th best offense in the NFL. And it's done a substantial upgrade from your offensive guru head coach, Matt Nagy. And that alone, the fact that he could not handle play calling duties as a head coach should get him off this Bears team. Yeah, and, and it's really it's bad understanding of game flow, honestly. I mean, the best like play callers clock management is bad oh, too. Yeah, but like even with just like the direction that the game's going, I'm talking like a very in a very odd sense here, I don't know if a lot of people can understand what I'm saying, but like kind of playing with the rhythm of the game, like the Bears are awful with that. Like when everything's mm-hmm. clicking, like these best teams, oh, yeah. they're basically like, it's like art, you know, watching some of these, yeah. some of these offenses play. Like there's differences, they adapt from drive to drive, and they're making all these changes and, you know, using setup Building plays, plays off exactly. of each other. You know, they're building plays off of each other. And like if these great coaches are like, painting like Matt Nagy sitting here scribbling with crayons that's basically like his Mm -hmm. way of doing it there's no game flow like you said with consistently running on second down and long I mean 
you want to talk about always putting your players in a bad position. This team is almost always heading into third and longs. They never have a chance. Yes. They never have a chance. Yes. It's a huge issue. And it's just, it really is just kind of a lack of, you know, taking what the defense is giving you too. I think there's a lot of times where the defense will give bears a lot to work with, but the bears don't even want to take it. You know, there's, and this team, this team plays for 10 yards too. This team completely revolves its offense around getting 10 yards. And that is all they care about. I think that's a great way to put it. They're never really trying to stretch out the field. They're not trying to use different points of the field, trying to hit different points of the defense, find out different weaknesses. You know, it's like a boxing match. You should be trying to figure out where Mm -hmm. you want to hit these people. It's a a feeling out process and the Bears just don't do it. It's, It's a lack of offensive you know, basics, fundamentals that have developed with this Intuition. game. And the Bears are playing like a 1980s era of like offensive strategy when, you know, all these teams are eons ahead of them. And, you know, you can say all you want about Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles. Yeah, they're not good quarterbacks, but Matt Nagy also has not put them into a position to succeed. You know, Matt Nagy has clearly not put them into a position to succeed which is very indicting on him. And we don't even need to look at the offensive numbers. We can just look at the game day-to-day play calling. Another thing, something that you hit on that I I think cannot be understated as far as the being able to play off the flow, gain momentum. How many damn times did we see Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky finally hit that deep shot and the next play is a run that's stuffed? Okay. I'm sorry, but if you're hitting a 70, you know, 60, if you're getting a 60 yard play, you throw that next throw into the end zone. You push that ball downfield or at least 15 yards forward. You, you continue to try to put pressure on the DBs, stretch the defense out, keep up that momentum because football is so much a game of momentum. Okay. It's so, so much a game of momentum. And when you can catch teams, defenses, off guard and in a little bit of a rut, you can do a lot of damage. But this team always allows the momentum to shift back when they have it. You see it from how conservative they get when they are, have the lead. They allow teams to get back in the game. They, the, when they When they get these deep plays, they don't capitalize off of them. They don't capitalize off of their own momentum. And because of it, it just looks so stupid it looks so mind-numbingly dumb and that's what I think my biggest issue is with Matt Nagy is because when he came here I actually if I'm gonna be honest Matt Nagy was my favorite head coach from that head coaching carousel I wanted Matt Nagy to be the Bears head coach clearly it, it seems like that hasn't worked out but neither really has the other head coaches either but we don't need to really get into that too much but anyways What's so frustrating with Matt Nagy is as Bears fans, we were sold, oh, offensive guru, quarterback mastermind. You know, he did so much. Even Andy Reid himself said he has the best chance. He's the best head coaching candidate he's ever had. And he is, and no one, no one really, I, I, I don't hear too many national media reporters mentioning this, but his offenses are not better than John Fox's offenses. They never have been. They still aren't. These are very John Fox-esque offenses. While they look prettier, they're not better, okay? They may, you know, have some cool plays and we might get an extra deep ball or some creativity. They are not that much better. And if you look at the talent we have on offense this year compared to John Fox's last year, which, by the way, have two very similar ranking offenses, right? Bottom of the league. One ran by Dal Loggins, one ran by Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor. If you look at those, the talent on both those two teams, this year's is so insanely better for the exact same result. Matt Nagy is not an offensive guru. Okay, Matt Nagy is a bum. <laughs> He's a shame. That, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, that I mean, that's what it is. It's uh it's a tough pill to swallow, but you know, they, they missed on this one. They missed, and it's it's been a lot of window dressing. Like you said, it looks better. You know, some of the formations, they give you some fancy formations. Where they put, you know, four people on one side of the offense, or, you know, four receivers on one side of the ball, you know, try to do some different empty sets and all that. But that's all worn off. 
It's wild. How many damn times is he going to try to catch on defense and substitution by keeping the offense on the field on fourth down and then at the 15-second mark running out the, uh, the punt crew? We've seen him do that quite a bit. How about you just score a damn touchdown instead? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. How about you score more than seven points all year in the third quarter before we even start thinking about our creativity? And he'll do that. When it comes to punting. Yeah, he'll do that, but he won't ever try any other creative wrinkles, you know? I mean, the Bears aren't ballsy enough to call a fake punt or, you know, anything like that. First off, they wouldn't execute it. (laughs) I can promise you that. It wouldn't be done well. So it's probably a good thing that they don't do it. Well, well, Barkevious Mingo this year would, 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 would go against what you're saying, Reese. Barkevious Mingo is a very talented running back. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, that's fine. Actually, there you go. They can run it. I mean, if the ball gets put in the air, it's probably there's nothing good that's going to result. And who were they playing? That was the only, I'm pretty sure that was the only like, that was the longest run that day, by the way. (laughs) It's shameful, man. I mean, the Bears are in 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 a bad place with, with Nagy right now. And, you know, it's put this Bears team in a very precarious position as to, to where they want to go with the future and what decisions they should make. But obviously, I mean, taking the shot on Matt Nagy, it's, it looked great at first, but man, it's gotten so out of hand, so bad. It's terrible. All right. Well, that that was actually a really good transition, Reese. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, We're going to go ahead and move on to talking about whether or not we should keep Pagano, hopefully when we clear house. Because, you know, Pagano came in here with a lot of expectations. Vic Fangio's defense, you know, 2018 Bears, one of the best of the decade, right? Uh, uh, Really, uh, I think that that defense, it's still the best defense I've ever probably seen personally out of all, like out of any team, you know, it, that, that defense just, I remember so many, so many camera pans to head coach, the other opposing teams, head coaches, including guys like Pete Carroll, you know, Bill Belichick that were just like mind blown as to how this defense was going against them. Um, and so Vic Fangio obviously did a great job with that. We had all of his guys, his hand picked out guys. It took it took a while to get there. Um, he, we saw the you know we saw the beginnings of it back in 2017 when with John Fox, and then keeping Vic Fangio was a huge win for Matt Nagy. Um, but you know, and while you know it's it's impossible to get that many turnovers every single year. Um, but when Pagano came in, he took over a lot of lofty expectations. I don't think he's been bad. Like, I think that this defense is, you know, maybe not right now, but at the beginning of both of the seasons, they were clearly top five defenses in 2019 and 2020. Um, but right now he's going through a little bit of a rut and he, we saw that at the end of the 2019 season as well. While I do believe a lot of it has to do with just being, absolutely gassed i'm pretty sure they've played an entire season's worth of snaps already and having no offensive consistency it's got to be extremely difficult not only mentally but physically um i do think there are reasons to critique pagano you know i don't think he's used eddie jackson perfectly i i think that's very clear in his interception numbers i i think that he he uses a lot less aggressive coverages i i guess you could say um, I don't think he's used Khalil Mack well. Uh, Khalil Mack has not seen super high numbers since he stepped in. While I do think that a lot of it has been because of just all the attention being on him, especially this year. I mean, we're missing some key pieces. We're, we're missing Eddie Goldman more than I ever could have imagined this team since the beginning of the year has missed him. I mean, he is such a key piece to our run defense. And when you have a, you know, a leaky run defense, it makes pass defense that much harder. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he should be kept. You know, I, I think that there are valid reasons to remove him. Uh, I don't know exactly who you bring in. I know Vic Fangio's job is still in, in safety. Apparently, uh, apparently he's still going to be able to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh, ownership came out and said that. But the the end of the day, we if we're changing, you know, offensive coaching staff, should we change defensive coaching staff? And ultimately, I think I've came to this 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 Jesus decision. That yes, we should. Yeah, and you know, not to completely agree with you, but I I think that one of my biggest issues with Pagano is that 
they're not aggressive enough. And I think that when you have all these great assets on a defense, it's kind of shameful to play conservative a lot like you a lot like that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that I hate was that it was before halftime. I should have made a note of it or something. But whenever uh, Detroit did their Hail Mary into the end zone, the fact that they used, you know, Cleo Mack mm-hmm. to bump, to bump a receiver. Yeah, like, what's the sense. point on that kind of play? It doesn't make any kind of sense. And then they had him rush the quarterback. So basically, I think Stafford had a two-man rush on him. And then Cleo Mack ran yes, in as a did. third, but you know the lineman had a good look at him. Like he stunted around the first two. Yeah, it was really weird. It, it was it was very odd, and, and it's just why would you why wouldn't you have Cleo Mack just rushing the whole time? The best time, the best mm-hmm. possible situation, the best position to put someone like Cleo Mack in is allow him to just rush rush the passer. It's an obvious passing situation. You're not gaining anything from bumping one receiver off the line on a clear Hail Mary play. Like I, I think they feel like they were delaying something. It clearly had no effect. It's just a representation of what happens. I mean, it's a Bears team that doesn't really like to blitz, but imagine what great sack and forced fumble numbers they could have if they blitzed more often. And, and they, and the, they have talented yep. enough linebackers to do that. It just does not make sense to me. I, I think that they play too passive too conservative and you know it does leave them on the field he doesn't do the bears offense doesn't do the defense any favors by putting him on the field as much as possible pagano isn't aggressive enough in getting the bears defense off the field either he kind of lets them just get tired and drained out of energy Mm -hmm. every game and i've always noticed that it seems like pagano lets up a lot of third downs that vic fangio never let up like it it seems like there's a lot more conversions at the f- during the third down than Vic Fangio had. Now, I don't know if this is just me making it up, but that's how it seems like. And I know we still are doing good on third down percentage, but at the end of the day, it's something that you have to be a little bit concerned about. And I know that we also, uh, it seems like we let up a, a more big plays than Vic, we did with Vic Fangio as well. So, you know, two things really that we can be critical on him of. Which, um, not to cut you off, one, but if you're going to yeah. play conservative like that, there's no excuse for those big plays to happen. So Yeah, exactly. So it, You know, pick one or the other. I'd rather get burned on the occasional play but keep the pressure on and, you know, make mm-hmm. the defense, make it look like the Bears offense does where, you know, instead of the defense being on the heels, the offense is on their heels. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, it definitely seems as if, he is a little more it, it just it seems like this defense is still led by its talent and it's just going to be a good defense no matter what because it has you know tons of talent you know tons of all pro tons of pro bowl level talent i mean after this year if roquan smith gets his pro bowl nod really the only two players on the d and uh, assuming jalen johnson does get a pro bowl nod as well the only two players on the defense that won't have a Pro Bowl under their belts is um, is going to be Bilal Nichols and starters, I should say, Bilal Nichols and uh, Danny Trevathan, which are two really key pieces of ours as well. So I mean that just shows you how good, how, how talented this team really is, right? Um, so uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't believe that because a unit is good doesn't mean that you the the you shouldn't fire the coach i mean this this team is highly invested in the defense we should make a change by the way something we can be critical of is that matt Nagy didn't hire brandon staley who was an internal head coaching candidate who has done an amazing job with the rams uh just as good of job as it seems like as vic fangio's defenses have been um and leonard floyd is looking fantastic right now too i mean he has a lot of sacks for them uh brandon staley looks like a huge uh you know a a great head coach or sorry great defensive coordinator so we probably should have went that route yeah and especially when it's internally too it's kind of bad to miss on that now i understand that you know, Chuck Pagano, mm-hmm. someone that has obviously had coaching experience and, and is a, a well-known defensive mind. I mean, he did great things with the Colts defense, but even when he was with the Colts, I don't know what's holding him back. I remember him being more aggressive with his blitz packages than he was than he is with the Bears. I think he's really kind of gotten mm-hmm. conservative, which I, I think is really the opposite reaction with the talent this Bears team has, especially, you know, 
like you said, in coverage packages too. I mean, this is a Bears team. They could really be suffocating and then bring, you know, blitzes as well. I mean, they would be a nightmare. But, hey, I mean, he's the one that's actually the coach and, and drawing things up. So I guess it's his call. I mean, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I think that he is limited by the offense as well. Like, you can only be so creative in the blitz packages when, you, like, you're on the field for twice as long as the offense, you know, that creativity is going to run out at some point and you're only going to have, you know, a certain amount of hours in the week to really draw up these and execute, you know, good plays in practice. So I, while I do think he is limited in a sense, I, I do also believe that he, you know, could do better. And I think that the bears should look at potentially other options as well. Um, I mean, I think that's all that could be really said for Pagano. Why don't we go ahead and move on? to our third topic and that's Sam Darnold. Now we heard some, uh, actually a Jets insider, or I don't know. I mean the term insider, I mean, what does that even mean? Right. Jason Lockenfora calls himself an insider. If you think that any GM is calling him up and letting him know information, you are very wrong. <laughs> um, really the only true insider I think is like Adam Schefter, right. Or Ian Rappaport. Um, I mean, yeah, or, or, or yeah, Ian Rappaport. Those two, those two guys are real insiders, and they seem to be like the only ones that are actually insiders. But a quote-unquote Jets insider, don't know what that means, but he he said that it seems like the best place for Sam Darnold is the Chicago Bears. And, I, you know, while I think the Sam Darnold situation is kind of interesting, right, because you have a quarterback that was considered – he wasn't considered as highly as like uh, – you know, Trevor Lawrence, but he was a well-known candidate coming out of the draft. And there was the whole scam for Sam season. If you guys don't remember that. Um, and he's with a coach right now that is, you know, a really bad coach, like a really terrible coach. We saw him hide, uh, all of Ryan Tannehill's talent, which we saw, I mean, he's a little up and down now with the Titans, but, uh, we've seen that he was clearly better than what he was with Adam Gase. And I mean, while Sam Darnold hasn't looked like a spectacular quarterback by any means, he has certainly been the only life that this Jets team has had. And he is just getting absolutely uh, killed by his team around him at the end of the day. So the question is, is that is Sam Darnold really the best? Is, is Sam Darnold a good option for the Bears? Is he the best option for the Bears? Where oh, And another connection, by the way, is the current GM of the Jets uh, worked very closely with Ryan Pace. So there's going to there's a there's he was the Bears. Uh, what was he like? Heads. I can't remember exactly his position, like head scout or something like that uh, for many years. Joe Douglas. Right. Many years. So he has a, he has a connection with Ryan Pace, worked very closely with Ryan Pace. And Sam Darnold is a, is a pretty, you know, solid candidate. I mean, he's definitely better than either two quarterbacks we have on our roster right now. Where do you rank Sam Darnold in, you know, your quarterback wish list, I guess you could say? Um, you know, I think he's a good option. I wouldn't say he's definitely not the best, you know, as far as I think I would go, obviously I'd take, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance over him. I think, you know, where it comes between someone like him and Trask, you know, that's where it gets a little tougher. You know, I I think I'd rather bring in someone like Kyle Trask in the draft and, you know, build him from within and and get him that experience. But at the same time, there's definitely an appealing aspect of that untapped potential that Sam Darnold has. I mean, I think, you know, clearly Sam Darnold is, has more talent, more quarterbacking ability than he's been able to put on display with the Jets. But, you know, how much more is there? And, you know, what kind of coach is it going to take to get get him to, you know, to play that way? I, I think that there needs to be commitment from both the co- coaching staff, you know, management and everything when you bring in someone like that. Because it is a bit of a project and you know if you don't turn it around it's a it's a bit of a waste you know at the same time though i think they could definitely get in you know sam darnold you know at you know not much of a cost and it would be fairly risk-free i think ultimately i'd like to see him on the roster but i definitely would like another young quarterbacking talent on there as well i mean that's what would truly make me happy um you know, would I be happy if Sam Darnold, you know, was named the bear tomorrow? Yes, I think I'd be happy. <laughs> but, you know, 
We'll have to see. I I think that Sam Darnold is a is a good quarterback, but just how good can he be? I'm not sure. You know, with Sam Darnold, I do think he is a good quarterback. And while there is a risk because he hasn't done a whole bunch, he's shown enough. I feel like to have a team take a take a chance on him. And really, I mean, what do you think it would take to get him? Like a second round pick, third round pick. I would think, yeah. I mean, just with what, like a future, especially second, with maybe? how this year has been. I don't think you have to to really roll out the red carpet for him. I, I think a second would be would be good enough, even though he's a quarterback and he's got some potential. I think a second, you know, and maybe you know another pick to go along with that would surely get it done. Yeah. So you know, at that price, I mean, that is an intriguing option for the Bears because here you have a guy who. He's an experienced quarterback, whether good or bad. Okay, kind of Ryan Tannehill situation. We saw how much success Ryan Tannehill had in his first year, even though he had an up and down start. The NFL isn't going to be anything new to him, in other words. Um, you have someone who is going to allow you to not only keep your top draft pick, but also really maintain all of your salary cap at that level too. So now you can go out and get him like a Brandon Scherf, someone who's a really talented offensive guard and maybe draft an offensive tackle. If not, I mean, where the Bears are picking, they could potentially get one of the top receivers. I mean, they can go uh, and get the the dude from Alabama. What's his name? Wait, uh, what position are we talking about? Because when I think wide receiver, wide receiver. Oh, my goodness. Um, shit. Why am I blanking on it? I don't know. I, I I want I keep wanting to say Henry Ruggs, but well, yeah. he's on the Raiders right now. Jeez, uh, I I just can't because he he's so he's very fast, also just very talented wide receiver. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Jalen Waddle. Yes, Jalen Waddle. Yes, exactly. I mean, he is an insane wide receiver. I mean, he you put him in there, he's going to be better than Allen Robinson someday for sure. So you go out and you can maybe get him a key piece on offense, uh, improve the line. You have all this ability. Really, you would be able to tailor a really solid offense around him. Is he good enough to you know, execute on a solid offense. I think that's been proven. I mean, he showed a lot of good things in college, uh, ran a very, you know, high level offense in college. Um, there's just, there's tons of reasons to, to want this Sam Darnold thing to happen. And if it comes down to him versus like, a you know, Kyle Trask, I, I think I'd take Sam Darnold just because I think they probably have about the same exact potential going forward. And, you could just get him for so much cheaper and maintain your top pick. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. I, I think that, you know, it's a good thing to have a couple of options there because they should really should weigh those options against each other and be, especially once they know where their draft pick is going to be, be realistic of, you know, what quarterbacks are still going to be on the board and where they rank up with someone like Sam Darnold. Cause I think Kyle Trask is at the very least where you draw that line. I mean, when, when it starts coming down to afterwards, when you know, as far as where I rank these college quarterbacks, when it starts going like Zach Wilson, that's where I'm not even thinking. I'd much rather have Sam Darnold. You know, mm-hmm. when it comes to some of these yeah. other people that are further down, Mac Jones, I'd rather have Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah. A hundred times over Sam Darnold. Um, and here's the other thing, and I, I think this is kind of a unique perspective to throw on it. If Sam Darnold doesn't work... In his first year, it's something you can move on from very quickly. You know, like it's an option where you bring him in. He ha- If he has a bad year, you move on immediately. Okay. But if you bring in a Kyle Trask or you bring in a Trey Lance and they're not working out, you're going to have a couple years of them still no matter what because they're young, right? You're going to get a lot more complete view of Sam Darnold as a quarterback in his first year. And I still think that Sam Darnold could be an above average quarterback. I mean, you look at what he did with the um, the Jets in 2019. They went, what, 0-6 and, and they came in and they went 7-2. and two. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a team that, you know, is lacking. Yeah, and, you know, a lot. especially this year. I mean, a lot of his issues have been, you know, where's the offensive line, no protection, Non-existent. can't keep a clean pocket for his life. So, you know, a lot of what it would be like if he was on the Bears right now, but... The thought is, is that, you know, he could, uh, 
you know, the Bears could build a, a better team around him and get in a position to to, to you know, hopefully win some games. I think that he's definitely in a, a great competitive quarterback, you know, but he's going to need time. He's going to need time in a pretty clean pocket. But when he has that, he can pick out, you know, any receiver and he can throw the ball downfield. I mean, like you said, I mean, he was not someone that was, you know, some scrub coming off the streets. I mean, I want to say that he probably had the same level of hype coming into the league as it's reaching a little far back, but he's like a Matthew Stafford level, like amount mm-hmm. of hype, you know, coming in. Yeah. He wasn't like yeah, luck. Definitely. He wasn't Andrew Luck level. No, not like luck. He was, no. he's still like, there's a lot of buzz about him. Yeah. Luck is really the only person I feel like you can compare luck to is Trevor Lawrence, right? Like these are like two guys that since they were young in their college football careers, they were like looked at as this, when this guy comes to the league, no matter what happens from now until then, he's going to be the top overall pick. And people just knew that right with, yeah, I think Matthew Stafford's actually a really good comparison. And that's actually another person we can actually talk about because there's some rumors flying around that the lions might choose to move on from Stafford as well, which I, I mean, could there be an easier move to make for the Chicago Bears if the Lions move on from Stafford? This is the the logic behind that, and I don't want to get too off topic, but the logic behind that is that they have an out in his contract this year, and they also have a high draft pick, and they're going to have a high draft pick, and they need to rebuild because that team is terrible. Okay, Staff, what, where would you rank a Stafford in this type of situation? Let's say all the quarterbacks are available. Yeah, I mean it's a little different because like the age, right? But at the same time capability wise I mean he's far and above anyone that's on this Bears roster of course right now but that's not saying too much I, I he's uh, he's not great he's a, a really good quarterback especially above average at, at you know you know he's really good at making some certain type of throws he can really I mean he's always had a great deep ball he's always had great touch on his deep ball um, for receivers that can go up there and get it, he can always put it in the space for them to go up there and make the play. And I think that's what's important. You know, he gives, you know, his receivers an opportunity to go out there and make catches. And, you know, he's obviously has a certain bit of clutch factor, has always been on a bad team, kind of like Sam Darnold. Um, and I think what you look at what he's accomplished on that team with some of the bad rosters that he's had around him. Mm-hmm it's it's slightly impressive <laughs> it's slightly impressive uh i would not mind um stafford coming in i think that would only be if the bears really had that win now mat like mentality though if they're really like gonna buy mm. in to make a push or like within these next two years sure bring in stafford he's someone that's gonna be able to distribute the ball well you give him a lot of good receivers to throw the ball to he's gonna need a clean pocket as well you give him that, and he's going to be able to go out there and, and you know, probably win you some football games. Not going to lie. I mean, if you think about even Matthew Stafford, let's say he is an average quarterback, which is, I think, probably what his floor is. You know, is he elite by any means? No, he's not. But what he does come with is a level of consistency on offense and I mean, if the Bears with this defense, if they just had that level of consistency and brought in a good... He he is someone that will give you... What, he will always give you what the offense around you gives you, for sure, right? That That's his base level. And then on top of that, he has a little bit of added ability with his deep ball, which is huge in modern-day offenses. And he has a little bit of added ability when it comes to his playmaking ability. Is he a great playmaker? Does he come up with a bunch of stuff, you know, in this clutch mentality? No. And I think that limits his ceiling as a quarterback. But again, if this Bears team gets an above average quarterback, that'll be so far and above beyond what we have ever had. And it's okay sometimes to settle with above average, especially with that sort of consistency, as long as you have a good team around them. And I think that's been, I mean, look at how far the freaking 49ers got with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. I'm just, you can get far. I'm smiling because we're talking ourselves into it the same way as we talked ourselves into Nick Foles. You're like, you know what? As true, long as we true. get this quarterback, he can do these few things right. You know, paired up with a good defense, we might be on to something here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, kill me. <laughs> 
Uh, but but you, we have to agree that Matthew Stafford is miles ahead better than Nick Foles, it, like far beyond. Yes, ab- not absolutely. Comparable. I mean, uh, I mean, if, a much better career. I mean, I know Nick Foles has that prized, you know, Super Bowl ring, but ring. I mean, when you go as he far as starting experience it every night. goes, I mean, he's got a ring, but Matthew Stafford has the most touchdowns passed for on Thanksgiving. So you know, you tell me which yeah, one's better. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you win some, you lose some. Uh, no, but going back to it, Sam Darnold, like I am absolutely intrigued. And if I'm being honest, if I were to make like a prediction as to who's on the bears roster as a start, as the, um, like planned starting quarterback next year, I, I think it is Sam Darnold. Like I really do because I would, unless, unless there's a major trade up possibility because the bears will probably, I mean, there's some people that think that, you know, maybe, um, Fields is able to uh, get away from the Jaguars. Like that, that, some people think that's a potential possibility. I'm, I doubt it. I, I think that he goes there. I think one and two are already set in stone. Trey Lance is going to be the the trade up opportunity. Is probably get someone like a Trey Lance. Maybe they try to trade up to get someone like a Zach Wilson, which you know we've both expressed. Our feelings on Zach Wilson, and we actually—I actually have a video coming out pretty soon on it on our YouTube channel that you'll get to see pretty soon. Um, but I feel like the best value is Darnold at that point, even over trading up for Lance. Like, actually, that's a tough one. Trading up for Lance and Sam Darnold, I think, are of equal values because in one side you can sell yourself on hey, this guy has so much potential. He has so much going right for him. Uh, he can really maybe be the next big thing in the NFL. And that's that's what Trey Lance is. He is someone who, if he, you know, if he starts to catch on to some of the more nuanced parts of the NFL, he can be a superstar. He can be a Patrick Mahomes-like player because of his added explosiveness is his deep ball ability. I mean, he is a really talented player, but there are concerns about, you know, latching onto receivers and, and certain other aspects of his play that could limit him as well. Whereas I feel like with Darnold, you get, you know, more, you're going to get a better team around him and you're going to get more, a, a higher likelihood to contend in the same moment. What I would like best, truthfully, is if regardless of who they decide to draft, they just get Darnold. Because I don't want the next quarterback that we draft to be forced into starting. And I think that 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 aspect of Patrick Mahomes not getting forced to be a starter was so instrumental in his development. And allowing someone like a Trey Lance to do that for a year or even like being able to trade him after that I think that's huge. I think that would be huge for someone like a Trey Lance. I agree. And I think, you know, adding on to that, I think being on the city year would be a great luxury. And I'd be more than fine with, you know, Sam Donald being the person that starts ahead of whoever is taking that, you know, gap year. Also, a lot of things need to change as far as coaching staff and, you know, offensive line. I mean, they need to get these supporting pieces around for anyone to truly succeed or to have a real shot at, you know, extracting their full potential with this team, they do need to make some changes, you know, before they even really get into the nitty gritty of who is going to be the best person for that role. And at this point, there is no amount of resources that is too much to be devoting to this position. Like if you draft both Trey Lance and sign Sam Darnold, yes, there's going to be probably a first and a second round pick distributed there. If you get a starting quarterback out of that or a franchise quarterback out of that duo, no matter who it is, if it's Sam Darnold or if it's Trey Lance, let's say Trey Lance is a complete bust, but Sam Darnold works out. You're fine with that. You're fine with the pick because they threw all the resources they had to at the position. And that's something that I felt feel like the Bears have never truly done. I feel like they've never just taken this approach as no matter what, we're going to walk out of this season with our starting quarterback, no matter what. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, they did it with Trubisky and and trading up, I guess, but they really didn't even need to do that. That's really kind of the questionable part about that. (laughs) And, and that felt like kind of a half baked, like, like, you know, going all in for a quarterback that definitely, to me, at least the Trubisky move seemed like potentially Ryan Pace buying himself some more time. Yeah, could be. 
you know, like, like, like that. I, I, it even it seemed like the Bears, the the feeling on the Bears of potentially getting a franchise quarterback going into this season seems a lot larger than it was going into the twenty what was it twenty seventeen season. Yeah, because you just knew that there's there's actually. I mean, at the time. In 2017, people looked at that quarterback draft like it was terrible, right? Clearly, that turned out not to be the case. Um, There were actually uh, three Pro Bowl quarterbacks that came out of that draft, may I add, including Mitchell Trubisky. He may have an asterisk, but that does not matter. Um, but at, at, you know, at the end of the day, you know, not, it it wasn't considered a good quarterback class. And there was tons of questions on all these players. This is a much better quarterback class than that was, or at least in how it was considered, you know, things obviously will change once all these players get to the NFL. So I have more confidence in it. And I think that as I wish the bears would have done this season, I'm tired of these half baked attempts at quarterback, the Chicago bears, if they have to draft a quarterback every damn year, just find your guy, find your guy, no matter what resources you have to dedicate to it, find your guy. And then once you have your guy, then we can pop, think about the future. Yeah. And, uh, I, I agree with that. And the person that could have been the guy, Deshaun Watson coming into town, this coming or I don't know are the Bears going into their town I'm not 100% sure on uh, you know I I I, don't I guess know. it doesn't really, uh, ma- really it doesn't really matter I guess other than if there was weather as part of the equation or not but you know they're playing the Texans coming up it's hard to be excited about any game that the Bears are playing obviously it's hard to really think mm-hmm. that they're gonna win any game and, of course, we're going to have to go through all the storylines again that we always love to hear whenever the Bears play, you know, either the Chiefs or the Texans. About, you know, yep, they selected Trubisky over this guy. Any any, yeah. Yeah. positive thoughts at all heading into this game? Or no? I'm going to be honest. I think we win. You think we win? I Yes. I thought – I was thinking about it, and I really think that the Bears win. And – while I don't want them to win, I, I tr- I'm I not kidding when I say this. I want them to lose. I want them to lose the rest of the season because I want to get a good quarterback, right? I really want us to get a good quarterback, and I really don't want there to be any reason to look at Matt Nagy and say that he should stay with the team. Yeah. I think that winning even a single game is detrimental to the future of the Chicago Bears team. And it's almost like because I have that thought, knowing that if we win more games, we're actively destroying our future – that's how I know it's going to happen because that's what always happens with the Bears yeah. teams, right? We, I mean, honestly, if it probably, this team could easily be a two-win team, by the way. We can get, we talked about that briefly, I think. Uh, there's a there's a couple toss-up games we had in the beginning. This could, this team easily could have a two, be a two-win team right now and competing for the top overall spot. That might have been better for us, truthfully, than the position, position we are right now. Right now, I feel like, I, I was just thinking, I was just, you know, originally I was going to come on here and say that we're going to lose this game because we're, we're in that losing streak right now. We're not doing well. And it seems like the only thing that could be worse is if we win one more game. And you know, that's what I think is going to happen. That's what I think is going to happen. The Titans, I, or sorry, the Texans, they don't have the, I feel like they don't have the offensive firepower to really be able to go against this defense. Even if it's been lacking the past couple of weeks, I think with the Bears added pass rushing ability, um, and then also just the just the receivers that the Texans have. I just even though I, this Sean Watson has been a great quarterback, obviously we should have taken him over Trubisky. I don't know if that'll be enough. I really don't know if it'll be enough for them. And I think that as far as a talent perspective, this Bears team is much better than this Texans team. And as far as a coaching perspective, is there really? you know that much of a difference probably not so i i think that the bears are going to win and most of it is off the hunch that whenever something could potentially go well we seem to do the exact opposite of that but i think that we do end up winning this game yeah i appreciate your season bears fan take of just you know being ready to expect whatever could possibly be the worst result for any kind of future success yeah so I, well, I, I, I'm not kidding when I say I hope that we lose this game. Right. Oh, absolutely. I hope that we lose and this game. I understand 100% what you're saying, though, too, because I've been watching this Bears team for a long time. I know what you mean, that this team is Murphy's Law. I mean, whatever is actually the worst possible mm-hmm. outcome is what's going to happen, even if that means winning a game. 
Now, with that being said, I think the Bears will put Deshaun Watson on the ground a few times. I think they're going to be able to get some decent pressure on him. What concerns me is that this is a Texans team that can stretch the field. They can throw the ball pretty deep, um, especially if Will Fuller mm-hmm. is healthy, which you know that sometimes is a question mark. But they can usually stretch the field, and that's something that the Bears have not been good at defending You know, in the past couple of games. Even though Detroit mm-hmm. Detroit was pretty thin. I mean, they were missing a lot of their top offensive weapons heading into that game, missing some players on oh, defense yeah. too, which is, you know. Uh. but uh, Hilarious. At the same time, I, I think that this might actually be a competitive game. It's kind of odd to say, mm-hmm. but, you know, this could be a very competitive game. I think the Bears will put up some points. I think Trubisky is going to be able to throw the ball on this Texans defense. Uh, you know, Texans have a bit more positive, you know, momentum going for them. You know, they've won a game in the past month. Uh, but uh, I, I think that the Texans will win this game. It's just hard to pick the Bears. So I'm going to pick the Texans. I'm not really sure what the score would be like, to be honest. It's really predicting the score with a team like the Bears is is like taking a shot in the dark. I mean, you really don't know what you're going to get from this team. And, uh yeah, I mean, I think the Texans will win it. But I do, I know exactly what you're saying. And if we do know something, the Bears are going to come out fired up, ready to play, going to catch the Texans bad, and they're going to get a, a somewhat dominant win, and there's going to be faith and Nagy from the owners. So, uh, yeah, I mean. Not only, let's let's think about this for a minute. We don't realize how close this also is. So winning one game could really drastically impact our draft position as well. Yeah. Like drastically because oh, yeah. we're so tight for that wild card spot. I mean, we w- w- it could drastically change our draft position. That's why I'm afraid of it. We could easily be talking about the Bears being tied for that wild card position after this week, which is scary to me. That is scary to me. I do not want that to happen. That is scary. Yeah, I mean, there really is a lot at stake and you know, if the Bears lose out, they're going to find themselves a top 10 pick, but you know, with each game that they win, they're climbing like two to three spots. It is, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Which can impact the amount of draft capital that we have drastically. You know, like it, it, it is, it, it, you know, picking players is already a game of, you know, inches, picks, you know, the difference between us landing Aaron Donald and Kyle Fuller was one pick, right? So if the, like we, we need as much, ammo as possible and we could even talk about was it even worth it trying to compete this year period with the status of this team currently um the hard thing is we we need to lose this game and it's hard as bears fans to come to that realization that you know what's good now might not necessarily be good for the future and really that paradox like the paradoxical relationship with that that hey even though you might internally want this team to win and you don't like watching this team lose what's beneficial for this team in the future is absolutely a loss but at the end of the day i feel like we just need to come to grips with this that we need we need we need the most capital as possible we have no sure pieces of hope for this team going into next year besides our draft capital and we need to maintain that yeah without a doubt without a doubt i mean that's the number one thing but unfortunately as a fan that's like the hardest you know thing to watch and it's completely out of our control and you know, the Bears could just mess around and lose this game and, and ruin their prospects for their future. But, hey, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Now, the real question is, if the Bears keep... If the Bears lose this game in a matter as bad as or worse of the Lions game or that Packers game, because those were two pretty brutal losses, is Matt Nagy the head coach Monday? I mean, we were here last week, so I mean, I, it just doesn't even. Yeah, I I also think he'll stay the head coach, even though I think a lot of fans will be dreading that. And you know what the weird thing is? I feel like it's so weird that whenever we talk about the benefits of losing, we always get comments like, oh, y'all some fake fans. That's my, that's my favorite criticism on YouTube or whatever, just 
fake fan like if you're critical of your team at all or you think of its long-term future or you criticize the head coach or the gm or whatever you're a fake fan yeah well that's so reese as being realistic unfortunately and not yeah yeah drinking the kool-aid and watching the bears (laughs) youtube channel listen to the bears podcast yeah exactly exactly you in order to be a real bears fan you have to understand what's best for the organization don't just be a homer all the time because if all of our fans were homers we would never change head coaches we'd never make you know institutional improvements to the team and that that would be an issue so make sure you know if you want to be a real fan you listen to the bear necessities podcast and you subscribe to our youtube channel and you like all of our videos and watch every video fully through so we can get better watch time and better promotion exactly i second that that's the that's the only way that you can and you know what if you even drop your email in the comments after you do all that and you go you know you like our videos every single week and you drop your email we'll email you thank you so directly to you so personally yeah personally (laughs) personally all right guys well thank you so much for joining us for unfortunately another somewhat depressing episode of the bare necessities podcast uh we'll be back at you guys next week Uh, again we're keeping up our consistency once again now and look out for the zach wilson uh video coming out very shortly so thank you guys so much bear down bear down